Welcome to Win Your Health. I'm Dr. Ryan Sousley, chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, and Ironman triathlete. Our mission is to bring you inspiring people and empowering information so that you can win your health and win at life. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dr. Ryan. I'm very excited to be with you today. I'm also excited to have my co-host back with me, Dr. Aaron. Hi. Welcome back to the show, babe. Thank you. We also have our lovely seven-month-old joining us. So if you hear any background peeps, that's... She's going for a record. Youngest youngest podcaster to date. <laughs> um, so she may be making an, an unintentional... Un, uh, um, cameo. Cameo. Yeah, whatever you call that on a podcast. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we are really excited to be with you today. I know it's been a little while since we've uh, posted a new podcast, but with all the coronavirus stuff that's been happening, <clears throat> we've been a little bit sidetracked just trying to make our clinic compliant, and we've had to adapt and overcome a lot of different obstacles and challenges. And it's all, you know, it's all totally worth it. In fact, um, you know, I had a patient ask me yesterday, you know, if we were having to work extra hours to be able to accommodate patients and see patients and stay open. And, you know, I kind of just laughed because I think, I think, um, me and my team are putting in an extra 10 hours a week in the office, just seeing patients, cleaning things, uh, cleaning things in between patients, cleaning things before and after shift. I mean, there's, our office has never been cleaner than it, than it is right now. And that's totally fine. And I think, you know, I, I feel this like renewed sense of energy to be a chiropractor, to be a, a holistic health practitioner right now, just because I think people need this now more than ever. And so I'm personally, I'm, I'm just happy to be open. I'm happy to be able to be, to serve people. And if it, if it means extra work for right now, that's totally okay. And, uh, you know, speaking of the coronavirus, that's actually what we're going to talk about today. You know, one of the reasons why we haven't <clears throat> done a podcast about this just yet is because things have been changing so rapidly. And what we thought we knew a month ago has totally changed. Numbers keep changing. Theories keep changing. So what we wanted to do this morning is really just give you an update on, you know, some of the facts that we've come across. And they're not necessarily things that you are going to hear on the news. And um, what, you know, what, what you're not going to get this morning is you're not going to get a conspiracy theory. We're not going to get into all that. I do want to say that there is definitely more than meets the eye. And I would just encourage people, you know, I heard someone say this morning, I was listening to a, a doctor uh, on a podcast and he just said, you know, when, uh, when things don't make sense, like if you're looking at all the different things that are happening around you and it just doesn't add up, like it just doesn't make sense, you know, that's when you should really stop and ask the question, like what's, what's the bigger agenda here? Because everybody has an agenda. I mean, we have an agenda with this show, you know, people have an agenda, uh, church pastors, they have an agenda, you know, policemen have an agenda, governors have an agenda, people, you know, at the CDC, everyone's got an agenda. So agendas aren't necessarily bad, but you have to stop pretending that there isn't an agenda and that people are just simply reporting the facts just for the greater good. That's, that's not really what's happening. And so I think more than anything, and then we can just move on to some, some, helpful things because that's what that's what I know we really want to get into. Aaron, I know that you're excited to talk to people about things that they can actually do um, to protect themselves, to increase immune function, you know, things to watch out for, things to make sure they're they're implementing or increasing in their healthy habits and their lifestyle. But uh, I would just I would just beg people or I would encourage people rather to just stop for a second, turn off the news, turn off the social media, stop, go to a quiet place 
and just think through what's going on. You know, think through what is true, what's questionable, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And then now more than ever is a, is a fantastic time to lean on your core values. You know, I think this is why it's so important to evaluate what do you really believe in life? Not, not about the coronavirus, that has, that's kind of irrelevant for this conversation. It's what do you believe to be true just in life in general? You know, if you're, if you're a spiritual person like we are, we believe that God created the universe and God created man and God created our bodies in, in a certain way and with the ability to function and heal at an optimum, optimal level. You know, if you really believe those things, then that should, that should determine or, you know, give you a filter or a lens in which to look at all these other things which aren't necessarily factual or true just yet because we don't know. I mean, what we thought, to, like I said, like, we, and I'm not calling anybody a liar. I'm just saying nobody knows right now because there's so much happening so fast. But what you, the most important thing that you can do is to right now, you know, reevaluate what are your values? What do you know to be true for absolute certain? And then now is the time more than ever to lean into those things and then double down. That's right. Um, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, depending on what news channel your TV is on, uh, they're spinning different, um, different sides of the coronavirus story. And so that, I think that is very confusing for people, unless you're just watching one news station, you're getting one side of the story, uh, which is, it's troubling to me. And so I, again, you said, turn off the TV, go back to what is true. And really, what do I believe about my body? What do I believe about my, the bodies of my children? Um, you know, do I believe that, you know, whatever comes their way that, that we've done everything we can up to this point in their lives, in my life, uh, to really make sure that we have titanium immune systems so that if we do succumb to a virus or a bacterial infection, you know, do we trust that our bodies are able to do what they're created to do? And at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody has to ask themselves that same question, you know, have I done everything that I can do, um, everything that's within my control, and do you have peace with that? And if the answer is no, um, I think for a lot of people, you know, they're searching and they want to know, you know, what can I do to make sure that I'm, that I'm healthy? Um, so there's a lot of different things and a lot of different roads we can go down with building, building up your immune system. But as far as the coronavirus is concerned, uh, I would say, you know, we have a lot of really scary numbers coming out at us right now. Uh, worldometers.info. Um, I'm looking at their their numbers real time, and over two and a half million coronavirus cases worldwide have been reported. So these are people that have actually had have confirmed coronavirus cases with testing. Now that number could be significantly higher if you're looking at some of the latest research that's coming out of places like Stanford University. Um, what, we're, what they are starting to realize is that perhaps the number of cases is up to 85 times higher than what we think it is, than what we've already confirmed. So that, that changes things in terms of death rate and incidence rate and you know just looking at how widespread it could be within a population. Well, and, yeah, and really what that means is there's been so many people who have already had it and just thought they had a cold or had the flu um, and or a lot of people that were exposed and they're immune, they had an immune response, but they didn't even know it, you know, and that's happening 
uh, even documented cases of that. And what Stanford's now saying is that there's probably an ex exponentially higher number of people that are undocumented cases mm -hmm. where that's happened. So that, that really does change the conversation dramatically to think that, you know, an exponentially higher number of people have already had this thing and are done with it, you know, and that now we're just seeing the repercussions, you know, months, months down the road. But yeah, what's what's interesting is that this number. So what what Worldometers uh, info says is that there's been 188,000 deaths uh, due to the coronavirus up to today, and today is um, April 23rd, 2020. So we're giving you this stuff real time. So these are 100. This is 188,000 deaths. Actually, it's 188,846 deaths. What's interesting though is per the CDC guidelines and other countries are doing this too, that you can you can attribute someone's death to the coronavirus even if they haven't tested positive. So if someone dies, like I, we just, uh, one of my mentors was just talking to me the other day, uh, one of his patients had been fighting lung cancer for literally two years, like really, really bad lung cancer, in and out of the hospital, tumors everywhere, terminal. terminal. They told him he had months to live several times. He finally died of lung cancer. He didn't have a cold. He didn't have the flu. Died of lung cancer, and his his family is suing the hospital because on the on his death certificate, the hospital put COVID nineteen. And you might be thinking, well, why would the hospital do that? Well, it's really simple. You know, uh, hospitals get money, and and I hate to make it sound like you know people that run hospitals are bad people. But think about this, you know, and I, and my mom is a hospital administrator. She's been an ICU nurse manager. I just talked to her at length last weekend. They are, they are scared to death of going bankrupt this year. This is, and they're, they're in a, um, uh, community where they're the only hospital. They're the, they're the only place that people have to go. So it's not like they're in a, in a competitive market and they're scared that they're going to go bankrupt this year because of all the coronavirus stuff, they're having to shut down all the money-making things that they do for people, all the elective surgeries, all the things that, you know, normal insurance covers. And pretty much they're having to sit around waiting for these coronavirus people to come in. And it's just not happening. Number one, it's not happening. Number two, even in places where it is happening, they're still hot. These hospitals are losing money because they're not able to, you know, uh, profit on all the elective surgeries that normally happen on a daily basis. And so if you're a hospital and you're, you're worried about, you know, you're genuinely concerned about the lives and the incomes and the families of all the people you employ. I mean, the, the hospital my mom works at, I mean, there's several hundred employees that work in this hospital. And so if you're an administrator and you're thinking, man, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to pay my bills or keep these people employed or make payroll. But I do know that the government's going to give me extra money, which they do. This is not this is not a theory. This is common knowledge that when you, when you report you're a healthcare facility and you're taking care of someone who's been diagnosed with COVID-19, you get extra money from the government to be able to handle and take care of that person. And there are some situations, you know, when we look at New York and New Jersey right now, some parts of Louisiana, where um, it's just not feasible to confirm somebody with a test. You know, maybe they reach the hospital um, very close to end of life, uh, and it's just not, there's just no way that they can test. And so the problem is that somebody could show up with influenza-like illness, um, and be admitted and then pass away without having a, a COVID-19 test. And it would be assumed that that person, based on their symptoms, had coronavirus. So the pro what we're trying to explain here is that the death count 
of 188,000 worldwide. Um, we we do not know, you know, how accurate that truly is because, you know, people could be dying from cancer. They could be dying from flu. Um, if they're predisposed, they have diabetes. Um, they have, you know, other, other uh, secondary underlying conditions that actually um, cause that person to pass away. You know, so it's really skewed. And, and we have to kind of ask the question, you know, other than the money, you know, following the money trail, why... Why would the CDC recommend that those people get lumped into the death count? And that's where, you know, we're, we're not going to go too far down that, that rabbit hole. It's just, it's just a question you need to ask yourself. You know, what do, what do you think? Because nobody has the real answer. I mean, everyone's got theories and we're not here to give you our theory, but it doesn't add up. You know, what, what else doesn't add up is, yes, the 188,000, even if 100% of those people were actually you know, taken by COVID-19 and it was provable and their test results were positive. And it was, it wasn't lung cancer. It was the coronavirus. Even if that's true, it's a tragic thing. However, it's 188,000 people. Just to put this into perspective, there's been 13 million abortions this year alone, just from January 1 to April 23, 13 million abortions, 2.4 million deaths of kids uh, under five years old, 151,000 deaths from the regular seasonal flu, 777,000 deaths by uh, alcohol, 330,000 deaths by suicide, 1.5 million deaths by smoking. Um, You get where I'm going with this. Over 300,000 deaths caused by malaria, 2.5 million deaths caused by cancer, right? And heart disease is still the number one cause of death in the United States, right? It's almost 800,000 people just in the U.S. every single year. And so the question is, if, if exponentially more people are dying from these other things, and, this, and these are yearly things, these aren't you know, just this year, then why aren't we shutting the government down for these things? Why aren't we shutting the government down and shutting sports down and, cause, and making people stay at home um, for all these other things when, relatively speaking, you know, deaths from the coronavirus are a fraction of what people are dying from, from other things. And again, it's not to belittle or make light of the the fact that people are being affected because there's no question about it, but it's to, it's to equalize the concern for other things that face us every single year, right? And so that's where it's, it's time to maybe stop and pause and just ask the question, why are we making such a big deal out of this when we're not making such a big deal out of these other things? So we're going to leave that at that, and we're going to kind of pivot for a minute and spend the next 10 or 15 minutes just talking about some really practical things that you can do. Because again, there's a lot that we don't know, and there's a lot that the government doesn't know. There's a lot that even experts don't know. And, uh, well, it's but very early. But, there's still, but there are things that we do know. And so that's really what we, what we want to talk about today, because one thing you said, Aaron, earlier, which I really like, is control what you can control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the wind, but you can control, you know, how you set your sail. And I think that's that's what people can focus on right now. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the government's going to do or the governor is going to do, depending on what state you live in. You don't know what the economy is going to do or even maybe what the coronavirus. Maybe it is as bad as what everybody's saying. And if it is, this is even it's it's even more reason why you should be listening to things like this podcast to understand what you can do, what you can control to help build your immune system from the inside out. And so this is. You know, one thing I want to talk about 
Uh, and then Aaron, you can give some practical tips, but this is straight from the CDC's website. And the CDC is, is quoting the National Institute of Health, and this is regarding stress. And so one, one thing that I wanna make sure people uh, realize and consider is that one of the worst things that you could do right now is just to sit around and watch the news. You know, that's one, that's one of the biggest issues that I have with this, this uh, stay at home order that's being um, you know, imposed on almost everybody in the nation is, hey, listen, you gotta stay home. You can't go anywhere, you can't go out to eat, you can't go to work, you can't go to the parks, you can't even go fishing. I mean, there was a guy in Washington State that was literally fishing by himself on the Columbia River and got arrested or got a fine for being outside, you know, because I'm not sure if they thought he was going to, con- you know, contract COVID from a fish or the air or whatever, but it's just, it's, it's kind of silly. And the problem is that when people stay at home, what do you do? Well, you get on social media, you get on the internet, you watch the news, and you become stressed out because the news is just naturally stressful no matter what time of year you're watching it, but especially right now because it's the longest news cycle in history. You know, it's been COVID, COVID, COVID for the last three months, and it's probably not stopping anytime soon. But what the National Institute of Health says regarding stress is listen to this. This is verbatim off their website. Stress during an infectious disease outbreak can include fear and worry about your health or a loved one, changes in sleep or eating patterns, difficulty sleeping or concentrating, worsening of chronic health problems, increased use of tobacco, alcohol, or other drugs, which are all gonna do what? Weaken your immune system, make you a more susceptible host. Psychological conditions such as stress or depression are known to compromise immune defenses and increase the likelihood of infections. And this is from the CDC. What's the recommendation? Quote, take care of your body, end quote. Hmm. that's straight from the horse's mouth. It's not sit around, watch the news, eat junk, and then get vaccinated, even though that's what you're hearing the solution is on the news. No, it's get the stress out of your life, stop worrying about the things you can't control, and start focusing on the things that you can control, which are taking care of your body. (laughs) That's right, Layla. You tell them. See, even our seven-month-old gets it. Okay, we're going to keep it kind of light this morning. Sorry for the soapbox, but... It just, you know, it's just crazy because the things that we're going to go through this morning are not things that you're hearing on the news, even though these aren't weird ideas. You know, these are just things that have been uh, proven time and again um, to help boost the health of your immune system and the health of your body. And what we do know is, again, from worldometers.info, even if those numbers are accurate, which I don't believe they are, but even if they are, what they report is today, in terms, of, death. in terms of deaths and survivals, Uh, 188,000 people have died, but almost 800,000 people have been diagnosed, clinically uh, proven and confirmed to have coronavirus and have survived. Yes. So what is it about those people? And that's really the question that we want to answer over the next 10 to 15 minutes. What's the difference? What's what's the common denominator? And then what's the difference between the people that get it and die and the people that get it and they turn out just fine. And it's not age because there's, there, you know, there's been people on the news that have been interviewed, 90, one guy was even over, over 100 years old who got this thing and he survived. And then there's other reported cases of young, seemingly healthy people in their 30s or 40s who have gotten this thing and they've died. So it's not just an age thing, even though that's what the news would have you believe. So what is it? And we want to break down some of those things right now. And again, give you tangible action steps for things that you can start doing at home, even if you are staying at home, because I know in some places you don't have a choice and that's fine, but let's control what we can control. 
That's right. And I actually, I read an interesting study. Um, it actually was only just an article and um, a scientist was speculating about why the coronavirus seems to not really affect children. And one of the hypotheses, because obviously we don't, we haven't had enough time to really do these um, longitudinal studies to determine if this is true, but one of the, the scientists hypothesized that kids, uh, because they are constantly being exposed through, you know, daycare or school or church or whatever it is to other types of coronaviruses, so not COVID-19, but um, other types of coronaviruses throughout their young lives, that their immune systems have been getting a workout and that they somehow are have some protection from this. I think that is probably, you know, definitely probable. I also think that children um, don't haven't had enough time to really mess up their bodies through lifestyle. Although in our country, um, that's probably um, becoming more of a reality, unfortunately, from birth. Um, but that's another thing. So we look at a lot of these chronic diseases that um, are being quoted as as causing severe illness um, when they when someone does contract COVID nineteen. Um, so, you know, the chronic diseases are typically lifestyle induced. We're not talking about genetic issues. We're talking about things that people develop as they grow older. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the lifestyle side of things. Sugar is, an, is a known immunosuppressant. Um, so our country, unfortunately, with what we call the standard American diet is very high in sugar. And I'm not just talking about the sweets, although that is a big component of it. Um, but we look at sodas. Soda is actually the number one source of sugar in our country. Um, you look at breads, pastas, cereals, things that turn to sugar in the body. So Fruit, fruit juice for kids is a big one, juice, too. Yeah, juice is a big one. Even the organic juices, you know, the ones yeah, that say no just, sugar added. It's not just Sunny D. It's Minute Maid orange juice, you know, because you're getting, you're getting a concentrated amount. So people might say, well, fruit's good for you. Yeah, but when you eat an orange, you maybe get like half a cup of juice right. versus drinking 16. And you're eating the fiber that's going to help yeah, absorb Yeah, you're getting the pulp that. and all yeah. that stuff, which has a negative net effect on the carbohydrates. But yeah, when you drink orange juice, you know, 16 to 20 ounces, it's like the equivalent of eating, you know, 10 oranges, which is not, you know, physiologically congruent to our body's metabolic, uh, you know, uh, design. Yeah. So when people ask us, okay, so how can I be boosting my immune system um, during the flu season or, you know, to overcome COVID or whatever it is, uh, I would say definitely eliminate sugar. And we actually, a lot of our patients take part in our weight loss challenges that we do throughout the year. And one of the first things we do um, is really eliminate the consumption of sugar in most forms. Um, and that's helpful for, for taking off extra pounds, but it's also really helpful for um, boosting the immune system. And so that's that's one of the, the first things that we, we go to anytime we're trying to, you know, raise the, the level of health in our bodies. Um, the next, so to, to go over the advanced plan, really um, what we're doing in addition to eliminating sugar is we're increasing fat. And I'm not just talking about any fat because not all fat is created equal. Most Americans um, are eating trans fats, processed junk uh, that actually can cause inflammation in the body. We're going to eliminate those fats. 
What I'm talking about are increasing healthy fats. So this is what differentiates the advanced plan from um, like a dirty ketogenic diet. Um, this is a clean ketogenic diet. And so when you're increasing healthy fats, you're increasing things like um, olives, olive oil, coconut products that are unsweetened, raw nuts and seeds, wild caught fish. Um, if you're doing dairy, it would be like raw, full fat, organic dairy. Uh, and so these, these are the types of fats that we increase and our body, it actually creates um, anti-inflammation in the body. It lowers inflammation, um, which allows our immune systems to actually function properly. And here's an interesting thing is that when we are in a, in a highly inflamed state, our immune systems are essentially in overdrive. And so when we are exposed to things like viruses or bacterial infections, um, our, our immune system tends to overreact. And that's what you're kind of hearing in the news now is that these people that come to the hospital with severe COVID-19 diagnoses, um, they are having an, an, a severe immune reaction to this virus where their immune system is almost in overdrive. It's causing extensive tissue damage um, because they were already at a disadvantage when they were exposed to this virus. And it's not just the coronavirus that this happens with. Um, when we're highly inflamed and we come into contact with the flu, this is why some people you know, get the flu and end up with pneumonia and potentially even pass away. It's because their, their immune system was just not functioning properly. It was overreacting and causing extensive tissue damage within the body and their body starts to shut down. So that's why we increase the healthy fats. And then with protein, the protein component of our advanced eating plan is really just to moderate the, the intake of protein. I think many Americans get way too much protein from the meat that they're eating. Um, and, you know, we were kind of sold a lie with the Atkins diet that we needed, you know, tons and tons of protein. Because actually what happens is, in a nutshell, when you consume too much protein your body that your body isn't using to build muscle and things of that nature, um, it actually gets stored as fat. It, it turns to sugar and is stored as fat. Um, so we definitely want to be moderating and making sure that our, our protein is clean. So coming from clean meat sources, clean plant sources, if you're doing plant proteins. Um, so that it, those are the three main components to the advanced plan. Yeah. And Atkins has since come back out and said, hey, you know, we no, that's we didn't intend for that to happen. We didn't intend for people to just give up breadsticks and live on bacon and butter the rest of their lives. Um, but Atkins definitely started this whole notion of cut the carbs and you can basically do whatever you want after that. Um, and yeah, that too much protein leads to inflammation, leads to actually increased blood sugar levels, which then, you know, perpetuates things like diabetes or even Alzheimer's or even the oxidation of cholesterol and blood arter in uh, arterial walls, which can then increase, you know, the risk for cardiovascular disease. So yeah, to wrap it up with nutrition, basically you want to you cut the carbs, you want to increase healthy fats, you want to moderate the amount of protein that you're using. Um, I do want to talk about vitamin C for a minute because there are a, just a couple of supplements that I think are really important to, you know, be taking during a time like this. Because again, you can't control everything, but you can control a few things. And there are studies that are, you know, abundantly clear that uh, vitamin, things like vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C, they really do boost the function of your immune system. So vitamin C is one of those. We all know that vitamin C is uh, really prevalent in citrus fruits, but vitamin C is an antioxidant. 
It's also been shown to help improve the production and effectiveness of your white blood cells, which are the infection fighting cells in your body. Um, vitamin C has also shown promising results in both reducing the duration and the, severi the severity of illness. We also know that vitamin C may help reduce symptoms and shorten the duration of, com of the common cold and viral pneumonia related hospital stays. Um, in, in fact, some people in the medical community believe that vitamin C holds a lot of promise in terms of helping to treat people that are in the hospital from viral related side, effect, side effects of flu and other viruses. So vitamin C, you know, I think uh, a lot of us know that when you're sick, you should take vitamin C. I think it is important that people take a high quality vitamin C and don't just buy whatever you can find at the drugstore. So it's really important to look at where your stuff comes from. You know, we're, we're extremely adamant about vetting where our supplements come from. You know, just like we go to the grocery store, we don't just we don't just pick up any orange. We make sure it's non-GMO and organic and if it's locally sourced, that that's best. Obviously in North Idaho, we're not getting locally grown oranges, but at least from Florida or somewhere like that, you know. Um, so you want to vet and inspect or investigate, you know, where are your supplements coming from? I'm, I hate to tell you this, but you're, you're going to get what you pay for and actually probably worse because if you're getting something that's on sale or you're getting a thousand, a thousand capsules for $10, you're probably not getting a whole lot of nutritional benefit. And I would even say you should probably put more thought and even money into high quality supplements versus food because you're always you're you're never going to get the same level of nutrient um, benefit from a supplement. Like for instance, you know, 500 milligrams of vitamin C from an orange is not the same as 500 milligrams of vitamin C from uh, a supplement. The the orange is always going to beat the supplement because there's something called nutrient intelligence. You know, God created oranges. He didn't create orange supplement trees, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are in an orange that you can't necessarily fit into a capsule and into a supplement like, you know, the rind and the pulp and all the fiber and all the enzymes that come in the orange. Those are all things that work together synergistically that, and, and work to establish something called nutrient intelligence. All those things work together in your body and they make the vitamin C that you do get that much more effective. In a supplement, you can't get those things. So the bottom line is if you can get your nutrition from food, that's absolute best. However, there are certain things that's just really difficult to get enough of through food. Vitamin C being one of them, because you're probably not gonna sit around and eat 10 oranges a day for the next couple of months. What you can do is you, can, su you, you can supplement with vitamin C, you know, and you're not going to get the added sugar or uh, fructose along with that. So our recommendation, you know, is if you are just doing what you can to protect and boost your immune system, you know, I would try to get a minimum of 2000 milligrams every day of vitamin C. If you're currently fighting something, you could actually up that all the way to 5000 milligrams. If you can find a really high quality uh, liposomal vitamin C, that's best. Um, and then next best would, would be just from a reputable source. Another thing to watch out for, just think of, is um, if you are gonna up the dose because you're in the middle of fighting something, you might not wanna take all 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C at once because it can act like a laxative and uh, you can end up in the bathroom more than you'd yeah, planned for. Yeah, I would for. break it up so, maybe three times, three times a day. Yeah. Do you wanna talk about vitamin D for a second? Because yeah. vitamin D is one of those that I think people They've, they've heard that it's really, really good for you. A lot of people take vitamin D, but I don't know if a lot of people really understand the importance of vitamin D. When you look at the effects of vitamin D uh, on the immune system, it really activates, it serves to activate the immune system. It really helps 
um, your body to overcome, especially overcome viruses. So it is a known antiviral. And unfortunately, the U.S. recommended daily intake is much lower than it probably should be. Um, a lot of the, the more recent research is showing that, you know, a, a intake of maybe 5,000 IUs a day is going to be at, at best a maintenance dose. Um, so this would be a maintenance dose for somebody that, you know, is already healthy and their, their immune or excuse me, their vitamin D levels are already where they should be between 70 to 90 nanograms per mole. And well, and what's crazy is the FDA only recommends that the average person gets a minimum of 500 IUs a day, which, which is only enough to prevent rickets. And that if you're in an, a climate where you can actually be in the sun for the majority of the day, then that's probably fine. You're going to be making your own vitamin D from the sunlight. But for the rest of us who actually go to work and wear clothing and live in less than optimal climates for nine months out of the year, you know, we have to supplement. And, and so we've even tested people that live, like my dad, you know, he, he lives in Hawaii. He is, you know, in the sun a lot, but he's wearing significant amounts of sunscreen that are going to block, you know, his absorption of sunlight to create vitamin D or clothing. I mean, people, people wear, wear rash guards or they'll, they'll wear hats or long sleeves, like if they go boating or whatnot. So I think for vitamin D, your, your supplement, your dosage is really going to be determined by your vitamin D levels, your serum levels. And so we test our levels every single year just to make sure that we know where we're at. We usually do it in the spring, early summer, you know, before we actually are getting that um, heavy exposure from the sun in the summer months. Uh, so it just helps to know how much we should be, do- you know, dosing with. Um, you know, I've, I've had it come back before where I'm high, I'm like 90 where I'm supposed to be. That's where, you know, the, the research tells us that we can avoid a lot of these um, illnesses, certain types of cancers um, and autoimmune diseases uh, when our levels are optimal. But I've also had it come back where I'm much lower than I thought I should be, even with, you know, supplementing with that 5,000 IU maintenance dose. So I need to up it. And so I don't I don't just like to give people a general dosage to take. I really want to know, you know, what are your levels? And it's a pretty inexpensive test to do. Yeah. Best case scenario is find a place where you can get tested. Like Aaron said, um, you know, we, we do that in our office for patients. It's fairly inexpensive. Um, I would say just generally speaking, if you don't have the ability to do that, or especially right now with the stay at home order, um, keeping everybody at, at, at home, um, 5,000, just generally speaking, 5,000 is a maintenance dose. So make sure you're absolutely at least getting that. And then again, if you're fighting something or if you're doing whatever you can to boost your immune system and hedge your bets, um, I would recommend taking 10,000 IUs a day. You can actually take more than that, but 10,000 IUs a day should be enough to raise your vitamin D levels. And what's cool about vitamin D is like you said, it, um, yeah, vitamin, and make sure it's vitamin D3. I I think um, maybe most people just kind of assume that vitamin D3 is is the best form of vitamin D, but um, there are other vitamin D forms out there like vitamin D2, which is a synthetic form. And uh, unfortunately, oftentimes when you have something that's fortified, like if you get milk that's been fortified with vitamin D, it's almost always vitamin D2, which is uh, not the same thing as vitamin three or vitamin D3. So again, if you're fighting something or you're doing whatever you can to just boost your immune system, vitamin D3, 10,000 IUs a day is enough to, should be enough to raise that. All right, let's talk about the gut just for a second. Uh, And the gut's really important when it comes to 
talking about how to increase immune function because a lot of people don't know this, but 70% of your immune system is controlled by your gut or is housed in the gut. And you have this network of uh, beings called, called uh, microbiota or gut flora that live. <laughs> Layla's wanting to chime in now. That's okay. So you have uh, you have what's called gut flora or a microbiome, and it's basically just healthy bacteria that live in your GI system, and it, it's really there to protect you. I mean, that's that's the purpose that it serves. And what's interesting is that you actually have more microbiota in your gut than you do number of cells in your body. You know, so pound for pound, I mean, these things are really really powerful. And if you have a healthy gut, you have a healthy immune system. If you have a weakened gut or a leaky gut or poor digestive system, you know, it really does compromise your immune system. You might, you might ask, well, how do I know? And I, and I mean, there's some obvious signs and symptoms if you have a, a compromised gut, and those would be things like constipation, diarrhea, diverticulitis, gassiness, bloatedness, um, irritable bowel syndromes, uh, built, bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, anything gut related um, usually means that there's, there's an implication of the microbiome. medications, stress, processed foods, sugar, uh, all these things deplete or damage your healthy bacteria or your microbiome. So uh, I do recommend taking a really high quality probiotic. And this is not something that you have to take forever, but especially during a time when you're, you're trying to increase the function of your immune system and just make sure that your gut is as healthy as it can be. Because remember, 70% of your immune system lives there. Um, you really want to make sure and take a high quality probiotic. And the thing that I love about probiotic 50B, which is what we recommend for our patients, is that you're not just getting 50 billion, you know, IUs of, of a probiotic of like one strain. And that's the, the danger, I think, in taking a probiotic is that you can overpopulate with one strain and that can cause a lot more harm than good. So what I love about um, the the probiotic 50B from Max Living that we recommend is that it has actually 10 um, highly researched strains of different healthy, good probiotics um, that are going to just work synergistically uh, to to just restore that that gut health. And so that's that's why I love what we what we carry. Yeah, and you can replenish the good bacteria in your gut through nutrition too. Like obviously fermented foods like uh, kimchi, pickles. Um, kombucha. What, kombucha. The, the thing is that you just have to watch out. Number one, what else is in there? So like kombucha, for instance, there are some brands that just, they add a lot of extra sugar or extra flavors in there. So you got to watch out for that kind of thing. And it just takes, it takes a lot longer, you know, things like kefir or, um, probiotic, like uh, yogurt. That's got a lot of healthy probiotics. Those are great, excellent things you can do. But again, taking a supplement is just going to help you get there a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, the next one that I recommend is um, garlic. This is a powerful antiviral. I don't I don't recommend it for people that have pre-existing gut issues. So if you have already been diagnosed with like a chronic um, bowel issue, I would not take garlic because it can exacerbate things. But for the vast majority of people, they're going to do really well with garlic as an antiviral. Um, so you know, trusting that your body's immune system is 
is doing its job and then giving it, you know, support like garlic. Um, you know, garlic isn't isn't like a medication that's going to kill a virus. You know, it's going to support and enhance what your immune system is already designed to do. Um, but just like vitamin D, uh, garlic can really work uh, to deactivate the viruses. Um, and so I recommend it, you know, if you if you're worried about, you know, you've got a virus going around uh, your your church, your place of work, um, your house, then definitely start taking it. I don't think you need to take it year round necessarily. Uh, and it has been shown to um, radically reduce the risk of you getting symptoms from a virus by 63%. Um, if you know, if you already have it and you start taking, if you already have a virus and you start taking it, uh, it can reduce the duration. According to the research, you can reduce the, the length of time that you're dealing with that virus by up to 70%. So there is a lot of validity to taking garlic. You can do it in the raw form, you know, you just get a clove of garlic. We like to let it kind of air out for maybe 10 minutes. We'll chop it up, let it sit there just to kind of oxidize, and then you can swallow it back um, just with some water. Um, so that's one way to do it. Another way is really just to take capsulated garlic um, in a probiotic, or excuse me, in a, in a supplement form. Um, we love our garlic and parsley oil blend uh, just because it, it, you know, it's a a great um, mixture of two, you know, highly potent um, immune-boosting compounds. They're the the supplement that we recommend. Excuse me, is highly bioactive. So um, when you take it, your body is actually able to absorb most of the nutrient, uh, and that's that's what I love about it. It's been researched, uh, third-party vetted, um, to show that it, it is highly potent and that your body is going to be able to use most of it. And supplements that are bioactive, just in case you're not familiar with that term, it's basically like a like they took a, a concentrated form of food, you know. So like we've been talking about today, the best form, the best source of nutrients is always going to be from food because um, that's how it's found in nature. And it's going to be able to be absorbed and assimilated into your body with the most amount of ease and efficiency. However, um, again, some of the stuff you're just not going to be able to get enough of through your diet, either because you don't like it, you're not used to it, it's not available, or what have you, or you just want to get to point A or from point A to point B quicker. And so if you can take supplements that have been shown to be bioactive, that's basically like taking food that's been concentrated into a, a supplement form, and uh, your body's going to be able to use that a lot better than something that's like synthetic. So with that, that's, uh, that's all we have time for. Aaron, thanks for joining me thanks again for today. Me back on the Always show. lovely to have you uh, riding a shotgun. But hey, we love and care about you guys. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us on Facebook. Um, do us a favor, share this show. There's a lot of lot of uh, people just questioning what's going on right now. And again, like we said at the beginning of the show, I think the I think the most important thing to do right now is to really evaluate what do you believe to be true about the world, about your body, about what's going on. And just control the things that you can control, you know, lean on your core values, control the things that you can control, do whatever you can to make sure that you're uh, supporting your body's immune system and natural, natural defense mechanisms. Um, and then that's, that's really all you can do. You know, don't, don't sit around and watch the news and listen to everybody else's opinion. That's uh, that's a great recipe for just fear and apathy. So love you guys. Uh, be blessed. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for spending some time with us today. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you could give is to share this episode with others and review our podcast in iTunes if you haven't done so already. When you share and review our episodes, it helps us reach more people and keep our content relevant to listeners just like you. We read every single review and love to hear how our show has impacted you. Thanks again. Now go out there and win your health.